Welcome to Scaling with Soul, formerly The Fifth Palette Almost Killed Me, a show that gives you a behind-the-scenes look at starting and growing a consumer products goods business. I'm your host, Heather K. Terry. I'm a New York City area-based consultant, and I've advised and had key roles in not only my own brands, but with dozens of others as well. My main objective is to help you avoid the many mistakes I've made or have been witness to in my 11 plus years as an entrepreneur. Let's get started. Hello, hello. Happy New Year, everyone. I'm so excited to be back. I'm always excited on this podcast. I love doing this podcast. And 2020 will be no exception. And I know some of you from Instagram saw me promise an interview with Reagan Walsh. And I'm super excited to share her story and knowledge and everything that she has to say on this episode. You all are going to be so blown away by her. But let me tell you a little bit about her first. Reagan Walsh is an NYU-certified executive and life coach who focuses on helping women who are overprogrammed and underwhelmed to reclaim their lives both personally and professionally. She contributes to Harvard Business Review and Forbes and has been featured in Fast Company, NBC.com, Smart Business, and Columbus CEO. She has coached thousands of women through her one-on-one and group coaching programs, and she is regularly asked to give keynotes, facilitate workshops, and speak on panels for Fortune 500 companies, industry associations, and foundations. She has done so for clients like Nike, QuickBooks, and J.P. Morgan. You know, no biggie, just, just, just those guys. Reagan is located in Columbus, Ohio, and coaches people from all over the world. It is my absolute privilege and pleasure to introduce you all, if you don't know her already, to Reagan Walsh. I am so excited to have Reagan Walsh on the show today. How are you? <laughs> oh my gosh, Heather, I am so excited to be on the show today. I am so amped um, to share this space with you. Oh my God, me too. So I was just, I was just on, some of my Instagram followers will be familiar um, because I, you know, we're going to, we're going to have a couple of weeks in between the recording of this episode and this episode actually going out. But um, I'm, I was talking about it this morning on Instagram. I was talking about you and, um, and just how interesting this whole concept of executive coaching is. But before we really get into that, I want to talk a little bit about who you are, how you got here. I mean, you have some serious experience. You had real work experience. And I think sometimes, sometimes what people sort of see from executive coaches or life coaches is, that, is just that they sort of had one job or they had some junior job and one day they wake up and they're mm-hmm. like, I want to be a life coach or I want to be an executive coach. And that's not the case for you at all. Yeah, you're right. And it it is easy for people to hang up a shingle and say, you know, now I'm a coach. And that's kind of the danger of this industry. Um, And for me, it it is a different story. So talk, talk a little bit about like the work. So you were in real corporate jobs and you had like a startup, Mm -hmm. you had a a job where you were like a junior person when you first came out of, I I guess it's college before you decided to go um, back to NYU to do the executive coaching stuff. But Mm -hmm. you were in basically like an entry level position and then you worked in corporate America. So what was that like for you? 
Yeah. So for me, right out of college, I um, got this dream job. I worked for a production company in New York City. Uh, my office was actually in the second floor of the Chelsea Market building. And um, before I knew it, I was traveling the world and putting on um, like these amazing productions for companies like Lucent Technologies, which no longer exist. So after 9-11 and the dot-com bust, I, um, along with most of my colleagues, we all got laid off. And so I was in a scramble to figure out what am I going to do when there are not a lot of jobs out here? Like, how will I survive? And the pharmaceutical industry was hiring. And I remember um, my dad had passed away a few months before all of this happened. And I remember talking to my oldest brother and I said, you know, I really don't have that much interest in the pharma world. And he said, you know, playing this fatherly role for me now, he said, you can never take away top-notch sales training and learning from a big corporate environment. Like you go into that environment, you learn everything that you can. And then when you come up for air, you know, you can always pivot your career. And that's exactly what I did. So I really um, absorbed everything that corporate America had to share with me. I um, survived five years working different territories from New Jersey all the way back to my home state and city, Columbus, Ohio. And um, when I was ready and felt like, you know, I, I knew enough, I decided to pivot, get into a creative branding agency because I really wanted to understand what made brands tick, right? And, and, and um, dive into that creative process, which gave me insight into so many different industries, which was um, again, such a good education. And then eventually I decided I wanted to um, really do something in the greater good. And I went into a startup environment. It was a nonprofit part of uh, Paul Newman's uh, family of camps called the Serious Fun Children's Network, which is um, a camp for kids with serious illnesses. And they decided to put one of these camps um, out in the country in Ohio. And I helped develop the brand from the ground up um, and got an education in what it's like to work in a startup environment when you have no money, everybody needs something, and you're just like working around the clock. And um, I, it just, it's been such a fun career for me because I've experienced so many different industries and from corporate America to startup. I mean, they're all different worlds, right? And you have different needs that I was able to experience um, what it's like to play all those different roles. So amazing. And again, I think that's really what separates you from a lot of other people that are doing this or, you know, even, and there are even some people who are doing this quite successfully that I sort of look at sometimes and I'm like, you are just, it's so fluffy. It's like very, the, the content that's out there is just so fluffy. And I think that's what gives it a bad name is that there's mm -hmm. so much fluff out there instead of substance from people who really understand what it's like to be on the ground in corporate, in startup, in whatever mm -hmm. it, it is. And so I think that's what really um, sets you apart. In addition to the fact that we were just talking about this before we started recording, um, is that your site, like your website is pretty cut and dry. You're pretty cut and dry as a person. You're not like overly, overtly salesy. You're not um, predatory in, in a way. Like I think there are some coaches that are just so like, come work with me. I'll give you the world. Or they make a lot of big promises. And I think you're just so the opposite of that. Well, thank you for saying that because I get a lot of pressure um, or, you know what, I feel it, pressure that I should 
you know, change my style and it's not who I am. Like I believe that the right clients will always end up um, walking through the door uh, for me. And I, I've never had a, a problem generating business from sitting back, providing quality content and showing up when it matters. Like for me, I don't want to beg for anyone's business. If you want to work with me and it's a great fit and I trust you and you trust me, that's what matters. Um, chemistry and coaching is everything. And if I were, you know, selling all of these different things, um, I, I, I just wouldn't feel like I was being authentic and I wouldn't be putting out the right energy for the ideal client that I want. So tell, okay, this is, I mean, that's great. I love, I just, I love your spirit. I love your energy and I love your approachability. So tell us why you decided to become an executive coach because going from all of these amazing experiences into mm-hmm. becoming an executive coach is like a big shift. Yes. Oh my gosh. So the, the why, there are a few whys. Number one, I had the opportunity to work with a coach when I was in that startup environment. And at the time, Heather, I didn't even realize coaching was a thing, right? I didn't know I could make a career doing something um, as like joyful as helping people get unstuck and helping them propel forward in whatever arena they're trying to move forward in. And so I, I worked with an executive coach myself. I fell in love with her process and the value that she brought to me and the people around me. And then I, I, I kept thinking about what is your natural strength? And when you look across my entire life from elementary school through my mid thirties before I decided to go get you know, certified in coaching, the common theme is people show up, walk in my door and say, how can you help me figure out this problem? And I asked them questions and then they would walk away feeling pretty clear. They would always feel, you know, safe sharing their um, like innermost desires with me and they knew I had their back. And, and I can sh- share example of example from literally elementary school through my mid thirties where I was always coaching, right? And um, so I decided to meet with the executive coach I was working with and said, you know, is this crazy? This is what I feel I'm supposed to do. And um, decided to enroll in NYU and leave a really kick-ass job um, to, you know, take a run at owning my own business. And when I left my job, I cannot tell you the hundreds of people that questioned my move. And why are you doing this? Why would you leave something you love so much? to take this like leap and become a coach. Like, what is that? But I knew I had to do it. And I am so glad I followed that instinct. Wow. That's, I mean, it's sort of, it's this idea of divine intervention. You know, I talk about this a lot um, because obviously Mm -hmm. this podcast is called scaling with soul. So it's really about sort of your mental state and your emotional life around business as much as it is around the execution, right? Because we're human. And I think sometimes, especially as women, we are not asked to be human. We're asked to be superhuman, <laughs> not totally. feel emotions yes. and not feel anything, mm-hmm. um, which is so, you know, I, I just think it's wrong. I think to stuff that down, I think you're just, I think you're just building yourself up to like a breaking point when you just stuff that stuff down. So, and for we, sure. we were talking a little bit about this um, beforehand about, I had a coach for a while who did not hold the space for me to um, I had a, a, a situation at work where I was um, sort of, there were some misogynistic men involved and it was the first time this had really happened to me in like the post Me Too era. 
Um, I really acknowledged it for the first time, even though it had happened to me several times and I had stuffed it down and I really needed that space with, a, with my mm-hmm. coach, right? And it, when she didn't mm-hmm. give me that space, it sort of broke <clears throat> my trust with her a little bit because I think that when you hire a coach um, or you, you know, because it, there is a certain level of therapy to your job as well, I mm-hmm. think. <laughs> I mean, you can talk about that for a minute, but, um, yeah, you know, sure. yeah, I think, I think there's a real fine line between that, right? The like problem solving and the therapy part of it. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So a coach is for sure not a therapist, although they um, have your back and they are there helping you kind of figure out your path forward um, versus a therapist is, you know, helping um, with very serious um, things, maybe from your past or, you know, if you're struggling with anxiety or depression, you know, there's a role for a therapist there. So the role of a coach, though, and I like I always like to differentiate because coaches should never you know, try to play in that space. The role of a coach is to ask the right questions of about like, what is it that you're trying to accomplish? What is it that you're feeling? And how can the coach help you? Because you have that sense of inner knowing, you know, what's right or wrong. That example that you just shared, Heather, you knew that you needed space, you needed to process and you needed, you know, somebody to allow you to hold that space. So the role of a coach is really to ask the right questions, to use their intuition to get you where you know as the client, where you know you need to be. Um, and, and the role um, is truly around um, providing that trust to, to really listen and understand the meaning behind your client's words, right? What, what kind of fear or underlying things are, is the client not saying? And what questions do you need to ask to get them comfortable to say what it is that they're really thinking? Um, and, and the relationship, you know, it, it, it has to um, start with a real level of trust and commitment of both parties, right? Like you as the client, have to be all in on your coach and your coach has to be all in for you as their client in order to make that magic happen. And when it does, it is spectacular. Uh, Truly. It it really is. I mean, okay, so let's talk about this because, you know, your bio that I read before this interview started um, does not really do Mm -hmm. justice in any way, shape or form. Just an FYI. (laughs) You're so kind. First time I met you was earlier this year, (laughs) earlier in 2019 Mm -hmm. at a Hey Mama event. And again, like your energy, your spirit, your approachability, I think is the thing that is so amazing about you. And I think, um, and so now we're going to kind of talk about the stigma around coaching, because I think there is stigma around it, um, especially for women, because, you know, I think a lot of men even view it as like a touchy feely thing. And when men Mm -hmm. engage with executive coaches, it's like, oh, well, I'm trying to get a real specific thing done. Right. I I think that that is, I'm not saying everybody's like that. I'm saying, I think those are generalities that are present about it. Um, you know, and I, I also think that people, look at coaching again to the previous point a little bit like therapy which it is not and mm-hmm. when you really do the work with a coach um you know, people kind of laugh at that they're like oh but what what do you mean the work what does that mean well it can be a list mm-hmm. of questions it could be those those very um specific questions tailored to a very specific event or a specific goal um to move the needle forward in a place where you might be mm-hmm. professionally especially um, you know, so, so people kind of do, you know, laugh about it or joke about it, or it, they see it as like a, oh, a self, such a self-help help thing, or couldn't I just get this mm-hmm. out of a book? Mm-hmm. It's stigmatized to such a, a, 
I think a pretty large degree actually. And I want to talk about that with you because um, I even think for me, when I first started using executive coaches in, and when I became really an executive mentor myself, it's, mm -hmm. it is, there is a little bit of that and, or a lot of bit of that. And I want to know kind of like how you view, like what, what lens you view it through and how you have dealt with it, how clients have shown up and sort of talked about it. I just want to understand your experience with it. Yeah. And, and my experience may be a little bit surprising um, because I, I, I feel like the women that I am coaching are so, um, they're all in on being the best version of themselves personally and professionally that I don't think that they give a shit about the, like a stigma. Um, I have seen it in male clients that I've coached. A lot of times, like you said, somebody recommended that person to me. It wasn't that the male sought it out right? Um, but somebody recommended that they work with a coach to achieve a specific objective. But so for the women that I am coaching, um, you know, they want to be the most effective leaders that they can be. If they can um, bring in more revenue for their business and lead their people more effectively and create space that is meaningful for their families, they're all in on that. And it's interesting because I I, I feel like they are claiming their power when they say, you know what, I want to work with you um, because I know I can have an even better life and, and I'm going to go after it. Um, I do think it's shifted since I started my business over five years ago. I would say earlier on, it felt more like a secret. And I think, Heather, even I treated it like that. So I think part of that was on me um, where, you know, clients, uh, you know, I would never... Um, well, I still don't because everything's confidential, but I would never, you know, even if I saw a client out in the town, I was always, you know, protecting that person from um, anybody knowing that I worked with them. Now my clients are telling everybody that they know about me because they're so um, excited about their progress and they are owning their power, which is different than a handful of years ago. Yeah. And I think it is, I, you know, it's funny. I think that when you are working with an executive coach, I think it's awesome because yes, we have our tribes. We have the group of people that we maybe spitball things with, but a, a, mm -hmm. an executive coach like you is so, it, it, there's a real specific purpose to it. You can see yeah. things high level. You can see things as a little bit of an insider, but more of an outsider, um, mm -hmm. I think that coaches bring a really interesting perspective to the table. One that as an executive who, an executive, a startup founder, whatever it is that you are, you know, you have people surrounding you at the table who are also pressing their initiatives and things to, you know. And yeah. yes, that's the <laughs> difference, right? So the coach only has their client's best interest at heart, right? Mm -hmm. Like that is the one focus for the coach. There is no agenda. There is no judgment. It is how can I help you get to exactly where it is you say that you want to be going, right? And, and there's none of that um, like judgment or even competition or, um, you know, fear of holding back. You might hold back with your, you know, tribe of mentors a little bit. With your coach, you don't hold back because right. your coach isn't going to let you get away with that because the, the, the change happens when you just let everything all like your guard completely down and then you, you're in it right with your coach. And that's where the change and the magic happens. 
Well, and yeah, and I mean, even though it's not therapy, it works like therapy in that it's confidential. It does. Yes. You can sort of say, this right. is my container. Yes. I'm going to say all the things I can't say outside of this container in the container. <laughs> right. So it sometimes right. like, it is, it's like, as much as it's, like I said, not therapy, because, you know, none of us are, um, for even me as, a, as, a me as an executive mentor, I am not a therapist. I'm not going to help you through your depression. I'm not going to help you through your anxiety. I'm just going to give you suggestions or how to, you know, move through your business. But when right. my clients say things to me, they know like this, it stays in this container, it gets a lid on it and it gets put on a shelf and it never has to be revisited again, or it can be opened up later because maybe something else is happening that relates to it. But I think, um, I just, I find it so interesting, you know, it's so, it's such an interesting thing. I, I do think, um, I hope, I really hope that like this episode and more and more women, especially coming to the table, talking about how they're working with other women or coaches is going to just continue yeah. to destigmatize it and, and, um, help us to sort of support one another because it really is like your work. Um, and even part of my work, maybe all of my work is really about, um, a little, there's a little bit of paying it forward, right. But there's also, this, yeah. um, this, Hey, let me support you because the majority of my clients are female. Let me support another mm -hmm. women, other women on their journey, right? Because th that's a big part of it too. For sure it is, and I I know that you help women um, like earn more money. I that's something that I do as well. I just thinking about the women that I've coached and um, encouraging them to own their power and ask for what it is they're worth. You know, I recently had a client that increased her. Um, salary she worked for this company you know figured out that the men were making more than she was making and she just increased her salary I think it was 300,000 and that wow. was through coaching and giving wow. her you know the space to practice and own the words that she was going to say to you know claim what was hers and she did that and it is so powerful to help women um, you know to extend a hand back to get them forward it's so powerful and Amazing. I think women are like letting their guards down a little bit and sharing. I think that's so important that there used to be, you know, we used to not talk about money or certain things. And now women are sharing and we're understanding like we can all rise if we're open and honest and authentic, right? And help each other out that, that this is a community. We don't need to compete. We need to align. I love that. We do not need to compete. We need to, I love that. Oh, I'm going to use that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's such a great, that's such a great sound bite. That's going <laughs> to be, like, is yours. That's gonna yeah. be like your sound bite for this podcast. Um, so just get ready for it. Uh, we do not need okay. to compete. We need to align. I love that. Um, okay. So I want to know a couple more things. I want to know, um, and I'm sure the listeners are curious about this too. What are the top three things that people come to you for initially with help for help mm -hmm. with? Okay, top three things. Number one, I think that they, the, the original reason they reach out is they want to know, is this it? I hear that question all the time. They are either climbing a ladder or they're running a business. They are leading their teams. They are caring for aging parents. They're raising toddlers. They're trying to be um, a spouse a lot of the time. Sometimes the women are going at it alone. So the number one reason is, is this it? Um, I would say the second reason is really to um, like scale in some way in their business and they, they know that they are swinging for the fences and they want somebody that will hold them accountable to get exactly what it is that they want. And um, I would say the third thing would probably be 
um, to like shed the guilt of being a working mom. So I, I coach a lot of women that, you know, have that conflict, like so many of us do. Um, and, and I share with them that it's okay to want to put your business before your family. And this is why, right? So when I do that, and I say this a lot, and it shocks a lot of um, people that I put my business first, because it brings me so much joy, and it gives me energy. And I take that energy and I put it back into my family, because I'm excited about what I'm doing. And I am still present for my kids, and I feed them breakfast, and I'm home for dinner. But I really focus um, a time and energy on my business because it makes me feel good. So I help these women that are trying to do and be all things to all people feel okay about their choices to get really clear on what it is they want um, and, and to channel their energy and, and focus on the things that matter most and then to ditch the rest. That is a really controversial statement and I love it because it I is so, you know, I'm going to get like 50,000 direct messages about Reagan Walsh <laughs> telling us that we should put our oh business before our family um, because it is. Well, only if that's right for you, right? right. So but, when I, when my babies were little and they, and I had to put them first just because, or that was my choice, I felt so depleted. And I didn't, I wasn't my best self. And so for me, I am my best self when I am like helping clients live their best lives. That is my highest power, right? To help other people do that. And then I get to take that home and my kids thrive and my husband thrives and my community thrives when I do that. Brilliant. So it's knowing what the your num number one thing is. The yeah. number of times that I cannot, and I, and I hate this, the number, and it's because it's men and women. It's not just men. Maybe it's a little bit more men that ask me this question, but a lot of people ask me like, well, are you okay? Like coming into the city? Like, is that all right? Is that, <laughs> I just, <laughs> and sometimes you're just like, are you for real? You're asking me this question yeah. for real. This no is, one has ever asked a you're man. Right. But it's true because you know, when I'm able to do my work and I'm able to, to fulfill these things that make me so complete, right, as a person, because I remember when I had Nip Moore and I was pregnant and I was about to have my daughter and my husband said to mm -hmm. me, look, you know, you can decide what you want to do here. We'll make it work either way. If you want to continue working, great. If you don't want to, like, I'm so supportive, like whatever you want, right? I'm, which I'm so lucky. Like I have a very feminist husband, right. thank God. But he, yeah. um, you know, I decided I did want to work, that I, I was not going to stay home with the baby and that was not going to be who I was. Uh, I think that for a lot of people, they feel that pressure. They feel like, oh, I'm supposed, and, and you're torn in so many different directions, right? You're torn, mm -hmm. but you're right. If you take care of you, it's like, again, it goes back to that, that super cliche of putting your oxygen mask on first totally. and putting it on for yeah. everybody else right? That the airlines, like for whatever reason, scientifically, they got that right. Um, <laughs> I know. You, go, <laughs> you, you <laughs> have to put your oxygen mask on first um, before you can service others. And for some of us, and that's not all of us, I have nothing against women who choose to stay at home. If that is really your passion to stay at home, I think that's great. But it's that for me, it's about go, getting up, going to the city, doing my work, doing this podcast, working with clients, um, building businesses. That's my path. And, but right. it is a controversial statement. It's even controversial when somebody asks me that and I have to answer and say, well, yes, you know, I've put these mechanisms in place in order to be able to do the things that I want to do because yes, I need to do them, but I really want to do them too. 
Yeah, because that is your calling. Like if you and I, I'm like, I'm sure that we're both great moms, right? But I think if we stayed home, we wouldn't be implementing like our highest calling, right? And that then we would have less energy than we have now. Oh, is that fair to say? I would lose my mind. I love yeah, my staying at home with, is too hard. It's so hard. I look at I look at women who stay at home. I'm like, oh my God bless you. Like I'm not even religious, but I'm like, God bless you, woman. Like I have I no know. idea how you do this all day long. And and I also I, get a lot of women who are coming out of taking care of their children and their households who are yeah. starting businesses or rejoining the workforce who are like, how could I possibly do? I'm like, you ran people's lives for the last 10 yeah. 15 years. And so it's so interesting to me how that there's two things here, right? Like women who decide to stay in the workforce and decide to continue their businesses or continue their path are judged or questioned for that choice. And then as women come back into the workforce after taking care of their families, they feel as if they are not equipped or that no one will want them or they do not have the skills. And, and I'm, I'm here to say, and I think you are too, that like all of that is bullshit. It's all bullshit. And I wonder how much of it is society like feeding those messages or I've had so many women say, I don't know if I'm relevant. I even work with a lot of women um, who are, there's, there's something about like 59 year old women that keep popping into my life and they're about to turn 60 and they want to pivot and they feel like they're too old to pivot. Like ladies, no matter what your age is, like you can do the things that you're daydreaming about because they are your daydreams happening for a reason. You need to go do just that. It's you know, my, I my, see it all the time. My next question to you is going to be about what is, what are the biggest challenges facing women right now? And I think this is one of them. I think that this is this idea that it, it's like, it's like when you have, I have one daughter, right? I have one kid. Yeah. And I always get the, um, when are you going to have another? And I'm like, I'm not going to have uh, Right? So it's like, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. You choose not to have kids, yeah. you're going to be questioned. You choose to have one kid, you're going to be questioned. You choose to have five kids, you're going to be questioned. Like, we as women, For sure. this, we've put this undue amount of pressure on ourselves. Um, and we've allowed society to put it on us as well. And we, there's moments, I even have them. For as strong willed and minded as I am, I even have these moments where people ask me those questions and it throws me. Mm -hmm. It just throws me. I mean, do yeah. you find, do you find that sometimes in, in your work too, that you're just like that either women have those, those things happening for them, those questions, those doubts, um, even though they're, I mean, anyone who's at a C level, anybody who's founded a company, uh, you know, any woman who's really working in the workforce effectively is a powerhouse, right? So for sure, for interesting sure. to see those things kind of come in and nod us. Yeah. And, and I, I would say that self-doubt. Um, and these are, it's so interesting because these are very confident women because they got to where they are, but that self-doubt over things like, you know, are they present enough for their family or did they, you know, make the wrong choice, not having another kid or, you know, whatever it is, fill in the blank. Um, I, I see that in my clients all the time. I also remember as I was starting my business, I learned that I was pregnant at the same time that I quit my job and, you know, enrolled in NYU. And I was in the grocery store and I ran into a woman I went to high school with. And I said, you know, and I was kind of joking because I, you know, I was going to figure it out. I said, yeah, I'm just trying to figure out how to launch a baby or launch a baby, launch a business and have a baby at the same time. And, and that woman that I went to high school with said, well, you have the baby first and then you worry about your business later. 
And internally, I had so much rage because I am somebody who loves to work and I love business. And I, all I wanted to do was birth my business and grow it and then have a baby alongside for the journey, right? Um, and so you, you, you absorb messages along the way from former classmates and neighbors and family members and society and colleagues, whatever it is. And it's up to you to have the resilience to say, I know who I am. I know what will help me thrive and I'm going to continue the course, right? And I'm, I'm not going to let your opinion, right, when you don't really know me, sway where it is I'm going. It's so important. I think that's, I think it's really great. And I think it's also really important to let all of the women and even men who are struggling through this, because there's pl plenty of dads out there who, you know, are, are coming in out of the workforce, their dual income homes where somebody's not mm -hmm. the obvious breadwinner or whatever it is, whatever your situation or you're dealing with illnesses or, or whatever, anybody who um, is experiencing this kind of a thing. Um, there's a space for you and there is a tribe for you. And there are yes. many groups of like-minded people to help you get through this. You do not have to conform to the societal norms of parenting, um, whether it be fathering or mothering or, um, you know, business over family, family over business. It's really your mm -hmm. choice. It's your choice the way you want to do things, right? Um, because mm -hmm if you do things the way that everybody else wants you to, you'll never find happiness, right? It's, it's, right. it's, it really is that old saying, right? To just, you have to drown the noise at a certain point, but also know that there are places and spaces that of like-minded people who are not thinking in an old school way. I think that's the point of, um, sure. of everything that we're saying here. And I love that, like the idea of be the architect of your life. Like if you're not designing your life for what it is that you want, sure, somebody else is going to be happy to map out your plan for you. Don't let that happen, right? Like be real confident in, in the life that you're designing because um, this, it's too short, right? Yeah. Uh, why, why, why would we waste any time living someone else's version of our life when we, when we should own it and design it? 100%. Um, and on that note, we're going to end it. Um, Reagan Walsh, oh. you are such a pleasure and such a bright light. And um, I hope that so many people look you up. We'll have um, the Reagan's um, website up on Instagram. We'll have it up on the website uh, for everyone to come and check her out. Reagan Walsh, thank you so much for being with me today. Heather, it was a blast and know that I am rooting for you 100%. Oh, thank you. You don't have to tell me, but you can tell me. She is absolutely incredible. And I'm telling you, I'm going to hire her. I, I really am. She's so exceptional and so real and so down to earth. And um, I can see why people are so successful with her. Remember, scaling with soul comes out as often as we can produce it. You know, I used to say Tuesdays, but um, these days with how quick and fast uh, we're moving on my team, we produce it whenever we can. For more startup business insights, sign up for my newsletter at heatherkterry.com or buy my book, From Broadway to Wall Street, Cautionary Tales of an Unlikely Entrepreneur, which is available on Amazon. If you have an idea or question for the podcast, direct message me on Instagram at Heather K. Terry, or send us a message through the website. 
Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast on iTunes. If you'd like to work with me directly, go over to the website and click on the offerings tab and you can contact us there to set some time up. Scaling with Soul is executive produced by Lauren Appelt, and all visual elements are created by Radhika Maheshwari, Casey Alvarez, and the Alvarez Branding Company. Now, as always, get out there and do something to move your business forward. Till next time.